Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Got an exciting episode for you today. We're continuing our series here on Deals Gone Bad. And I'm not trying to sensationalize any of this or try to glorify bad things that happen, you know, but like I felt like this is an important topic to talk about. Everybody, we kind of hear all the good stories. We hear the success stories. We see the checks. We see the Lamborghinis. And I'm not that kind of guy myself. But if you've been on social media, you know anything about following, you know, gurus and real estate influencers. No one really talks about their bad deals. I've got a lot of them. And you've heard me say this if you've been listening to this series for any time now, that uh, wise people learn from the mistakes of others. Smart people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And so there's a lot that you and I can learn from following other people's examples and listening to the mistakes that they made, or maybe that wasn't mistakes, they just didn't know. But this is the best way to learn. I know the best seminars that I've ever gone to are the real deals that we did that didn't work out or something happened, or we just, you know, I I learned from my lessons about how the importance of having multiple exit strategies, right? I've learned from lessons learned. I mean, I knew about it in seminars and books that I bought. I knew the importance of cash flow on a deal, but I didn't really, really learn the importance of cash flow on a deal until I had a couple bad deals that didn't cash flow and it wasn't consistent. So that's what I'm hoping you get out of this. And as we've been doing this podcast series, we've been putting together all of the notes and the lessons learned into a mind map, which is eventually going to become a, a resource or a PDF or something like that that we're going to put together. But if you want access to this mind map, to these notes, to the other podcasts, the transcripts, we have a mind map that we put together and it'll eventually become a PDF or something easy, but it's really easy to view our mind maps. And uh, you can get that by texting the word bad to 313131. If you text the word BAD, bad to 313131, you can actually get a copy of these notes and all of these lessons learned. And eventually they'll become a, a, a resource that we're going to give away. Or you can go to jomacall.com slash bad, jomacall.com slash bad, and that will forward you to a place to get these notes. And again, I'm excited about getting these lessons learned into your hands because already this is, I think, our number eight that we've got coming up here with Nick Perry. It's going to be really cool. But already there's been just invaluable, like you could spend $100,000 on this seminar and still be worth every penny from the lessons learned from the folks here that are gracious enough to share their experiences. All right. So go to joelmccall.com slash bad or text the word bad 313131. I hope you guys don't like that keyword too. I'm sp- I'm using this software called easy texting for these kinds of texting things. And that that keyword bad costs $25 a month, which is a lot, but it's not a big deal. I just thought it was funny. I've never heard anybody else have the keyword bad for something like this. So I just wanted to be bad and try it out, I guess. All right, cool. So we've got a cool guest today on. His name is Nick Perry. And uh, Nick has a very interesting deal where the property kind of became one of the properties on the CSI show. I'm just kidding, but not it became a crime scene investigation. And actually, like our similar previous guest that we had 
just uh, the other day, Todd Toback. This is a deal that looked really bad, but it actually turned around. But there's some really good, valuable lessons learned from this. So, Nick, how are you, man? I'm blessed, man. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying the day, uh, you know, awaiting the results of this election like everybody else, but can't complain. Either way it goes, we're going we're gonna to keep doing what we're doing. You know, I, I posted something funny on Facebook the other day. It's hard to find humor in Facebook these days, isn't it? It's pretty dark right now. But But I've posted something that was kind of funny. I borrowed this from somebody else, but I'm going to read it to you guys here because I thought it was pretty funny. Here it is. (laughs) It doesn't matter who... This is like one of those pictures with words in it, you know, that you see in Facebook. It says, it doesn't matter who you voted for. If by by Wednesday morning, you're ready to leave the country, remember, I can buy your house with cash and have you on your way in two weeks. I'll be waiting for those calls. You can call me too. So yeah. if you, and then and today is Wednesday and we still don't know, but by the time you're all listening to this, hopefully we do know who won this election. And if you want to leave, go ahead, just call us, send us your, uh, some information about you and your house and we'll make an offer to buy it. But anyway, uh, Nick, did you stay up late last night looking, watching the, for the result? Uh, I stayed up until about 11 o'clock my time. I'm, I'm in Texas. Uh, and then I realized there wasn't going to be a clear cut winner anytime soon. So called it a night, got up early, worked out, got my butt to work. So man, I had a hard time sleeping because I kept on dreaming that I was opening up the news and I could see who won. And then I woke up super early to, and I finally just got my phone and looked and it's, they still didn't know. And uh, anyway, let's talk about frustrations. Right. All right. So Nick, you're in Texas. What part of Texas? I live in Austin. We do deals all over the country though. So we've got deals in Hawaii right now deals in florida everywhere in between we've been operating that way for a while so nice being in austin's great but at being a wholesaler it's uh it's a little more challenging your you know cost per deal is pretty high here so we market everywhere you know we get a better return on our marketing spend places here but it's it's not one of our main main markets i have a a brother-in-law and some family in Austin, Texas. I'm going to probably send this link to them because they are have some interest in Austin, in, in real estate, I mean, investing. But Austin is a very difficult market. It's expensive. It's competitive. But that's the great thing about this business, right? You can do it from anywhere, anywhere in the world, anywhere in the US, right? Yeah. With technology now, the way it is, it's made our uh, job you know, completely remote. Like I said, I've, I've got deals in uh, various states all over the country. I don't think I have a single deal in Austin right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, talk about your business a little bit here, Nick, in terms of like volume, what kind of volume are you doing? And before we get to this bad deal, I'd like to ask you a little bit about how are you finding these deals in virtual markets? So like, on you know, over the last 12 months or so, how many deals do you average a month? Uh, we'll average like closed and funded anywhere from 25 to 35 a month. So you know, we're anywhere from $275,000 a month gross to last month was a record month. We had 476000 in September. Now, oh, this month, here, these are wholesale, wholesale deals. Fees. Yep. Nice, man. Good for you. And you're wholesaling all of them, right? Yeah. I mean, we'll uh, wholesale. So we'll put them up on the, you know, take them down and put them up on the market. Uh, we've kind of fit found a way to remote wholesale where we'll basically get, you know, good investment friendly realtor to GC the project for us. Nice. We're not doing any extensive remodels or anything like that anymore. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt and don't really want to go back. But that's a whole lesson learned episode right there, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. So, um, how did you pick these markets? Well, what happened was I was, you know, really struggling to, you know, 
get off the ground in Austin. So I started going to neighboring cities, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. And at the same time, I was doing a lot of SEO and I was getting leads from you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, you name it. I'm getting all these leads. And if it wasn't, you know, in a Texas city, I was trashing them. I just you know, say I can't really help them. And I remember, you know, kind of a light bulb went off 2016, 2017. Me and my COO just looked at each other like, hey, let's let's take a crack at one of these and see you know, if we can do it. It's not going to be that much different. And lo and behold, uh, we got a deal under contract in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, assigned it to an investor for, yeah, I think it was like a $14,000 profit. So that was proof of concept. Like, okay, we can do this. We immediately did another one, uh, I think in like Cleveland or somewhere like that. And then we were like, well, let's go and try to start actually marketing for this. Cause these were just organic leads. So I opened up, you know, my PPC and my digital advertising nationwide. And we just started taking those leads and, you know, through you know, a lot of trial and error, we became very good at knowing each of the different regions in the United States and what investors are looking for. And we've you know, got pretty, pretty good at it. It didn't, didn't happen overnight, but yeah, it's what we do every single day. Good for you, man. And so are you doing mainly Google PPC or Facebook ads or both or what? We do, we do both. We do Google, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Bing, Pretty much anywhere that there's attention and eyeballs on the internet, we try to be there. Nice. So let's say you get a house in, and by the way, I love this because I created a course with a guy named Larry Goins. Did you, do you remember yeah. promoting that called Small Town Profits? Were you a part of that? No, but I, I saw you promoting it and I was like, yeah, I, I'm doing the same thing. So, yeah. well, the cool thing about that is like Larry isn't going nationwide. He's just going out two to three counties outside of his big MSA and he's just doing simple direct mail, getting a lot of leads, zero competition. And people wonder like, man, you can do deals in small towns or like in these, how do you do that? But I'm telling you guys, it's a lot easier than you think. It's a lot easier than you think. So let me ask you something, Nick, because I know a lot of people are wondering this, like, all right, so you get a lead in a small town, Pennsylvania, that you've never been to before. You don't know any buyers there. Like, how do you know what to offer on some of these houses? So, you know, in the smaller towns, you're, a lot of times you're not going to get a ton of great sold comps, right? It, it might be difficult to comp the property. In those smaller towns, we look at activity. So what's the real estate market actually doing there? We'll look at the for sales and we'll see how many saves they've got on the properties and how you know how much amount of time to see how how much is that market actually moving. We know if there's been super small towns, we just did one in middle of nowhere, Oregon, made like 45 grand. I think everybody would have passed it up because it was in the boondocks. Yeah. But there was no there's no inventory there. Yeah, absolutely no inventory. So my COO and my acquisitions are trained to evaluate those properties, either going on their sold comps, looking at Zillow and PropStream, or you know, also looking at what's the uh, activity in that real estate market. You know, if they're unsure, they'll pick up the phone and call a realtor and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this house. Can you tell me what it's worth? So nice. yeah, real estate agents are happy to help you if you're looking to buy something. So when you're talking to these sellers, you're buying the properties, you're bringing them down. Uh, no, we try to not tie up capital unless it's a really good deal or yeah, we have to. A lot of times what we're doing is just strict, strictly wholesale. We'll contract the property. You know, we most of the time we don't know anybody in that market. And so we're relying heavily on realtors. We've got an extremely large cash buyers list, but the majority of the time, you know, the local realtors in that market are going to know who the investors are and be able to point you in the right direction. And as long as you make it, you know, incentivize that realtor, they'll come through for you. you know, and they you don't, don't care to... that you don't own the house yet. No, you just say, Hey, I'm an investor. I, I live here in Austin. You know, we're looking to assign this property. 
you know, you're going to get some realtors that are not investor friendly. And if they're not investor friendly, then move on to the next. Yeah. You know, we're talking to you know, hundreds of realtors a day. So we'll send a blast out to all the realtors in that market, get through all the ones that don't want to deal with investors and talk to the handful that are really good and hungry to go out and show the property to the right investor and get, get their commission and make sure everybody is paid yeah. in the win-win. Now, most of these are cash deals, right? It's all cash. Yeah. Sure, doesn't matter at all. You just need to find an investor-friendly, creative real estate investor, or a realtor. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Just one or two more questions then, Nick, and we'll talk yeah. about this bad deal. Um, what does your team look like today to do that many deals? So we have six acquisitions, three dispositions, and I have a COO who runs the entire operation. And then myself, I'm basically the cheerleader at this point. Yeah, I pay the bills. Good for you, man. How long have you been at this? I started in 2014. I started watching Joe McCall, Sean Terry videos. And and, and here I am six years later. Good for you, man. I'm sure you've been through Sean Terry's course, Remote Millions or something like that. Is that what he calls it? Yeah, I, I actually helped him put that course together. I love it. Yeah, I was one of the teachers in, in the course. Ah, beautiful. I was just talking to him the other day, and uh, he had one of his biggest months, I think, in September, September or October, one of his biggest months ever, and almost had, he said, almost a million dollars in wholesaling fees. Yeah, he's cr he's crushing. So I showed Sean how to do the nationwide thing because he saw me making my swings at it nice. and asked me basically, hey, break down your business model. And he took it and now he's kicking my butt, you know, doing, <laughs> doing the model that I showed him. But I'm I'm, I'm so happy for him, you know. Yeah, I'm happy for you, Nick. And go back and forth and share ideas and stuff. So I'm happy for you. There are no secrets in this business. You know what I mean? There's no. No, you're successful, not because you have some corner on the market or some secret thing, ninja thing that you're doing. You're just, you're successful because you take massive action. And that's what it's I spent a lot of money too. You, spend, so, yeah. you invest in marketing, right? Would Correct. you agree with this, Nick? We're not in the real estate business. We're in the marketing business. It's a mar marketing and sales. It's lead generation and, and sales. Yeah, that's all it is. You know, I came from a sales background before, so I think that's part of the reason. Yeah, you know, this wasn't a whole big shift for me. Yeah, you know, I took the same corporate philosophy I, when I was banging the phones for corporate and, and applied it to to this. Real estate's just the the widget, the product. So, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Cool, man. All right, so. Let's talk about this deal gone bad. You've done a lot of deals. You're doing a lot of deals. You had your share of bad deals, I'm sure, right? And oh, many, yeah. Many. many, okay. Yeah. So um, one of the things I've been saying on this podcast is if you've not done have a bad deal yet, you've not been in the business long enough or you've not done enough deals yet. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. Okay. Especially in this business where you're dealing with distressed sellers, you're going to deal with all kinds of crazy stuff. Nice. That's so funny. You Your history with, with Sean Terry. Sean Terry and I go way back. You know, he was one of the guys who inspired me to start this podcast. I heard his podcast. I called him. And that was when he had his cell phone. He would give away a cell phone number on the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but I called him. We talked for like an hour, an hour and a half. And, and I was really interested in creating a podcast. This was only about three or four, six months after he created his. And uh, he gave me the idea. He wanted me to call it Real Estate Investing Wizards uh, because there was a, um, a book at the time called uh, Stock Market Wizards. And so I didn't like the word wizards. And I thought, well, how about masters? Real Estate Investing Masters, mastery. But anyway, cool. So, okay, this bad deal. This was a wholesale deal. You were saying you, you were looking at like $75,000 profit on this deal, right? Correct. Wow. Yeah. And this was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana? It was, it was in Denham Springs, which is like the next town over from Baton okay. Rouge. So. And how'd you find this deal? 
Uh, it came through one of our online marketing channels. I think it came through just Google ads. This was about a year ago now is when all this, when, when this deal went down. But yeah, it came through our, our Google ads channel. All right. So the lead came in, $75,000 potential profit. What happened? Yeah. So seller calls us up. You know, she's your typical motivated seller. Yeah. She's, she's probably in her, you know, mid to late thirties, but sounds like she smokes like three packs of Virginia Slims a day. Yeah. She's a little bit frantic on the phone. You know how these motivated sellers all are. She is telling us all this, all these stories about, Hey, I had to move out of my property. My ex-boyfriend is living in there. He's you know beating on me and doing drugs and this, that, and the third. And we're like, all right, well, we'll help you. You know, let's, let's see what we can do. Let's put the numbers together and we'll get it. We'll get it squared away. This is, you know, what our job is. So, you know, we run the numbers. She's like, look, I just want, you know, basically my payoff for it, which was like, I think it was like 88K or 90K, uh, somewhere in there. So we, we gave her 90,000. Thicker payoff was like 88. The house was worth 225. And she had just gone in and did this really nice remodel on the property. You know, new kitchen, backsplash, new floors. They had this awesome outdoor like area with a fire pit and a pergola, like really, really well done. And I was like, goodness, I guess she inherited, you know, this property and then, you know, had some bad memories with the, with the spouse. He wasn't leaving. He was in there, you know, selling drugs and doing drugs with his buddies. And she was like, I'm just done with it at this point. So we picked it up for 90 K it's worth 225. We probably could have sold it for, you know, 199 on the MLS as is, as is the market there is pretty high. So we contract it and we're like, well, how are we going to get out there? She's like, I'm not talking to, you know, my ex-boyfriend or anything like that. And we're like, okay, well, we'll send one of our local guys out there and just let them know we're, you know, going to be walking through the property and this is what's happening is we're selling the house. Well, lo and behold, in the time that we were dispatching one of our partners out, there's all this news going on about, you know, somebody getting locked up at this, my transaction coordinator Googled the address and found all this news, all these news articles that just just popped off about a murder, murders going on and this arrest. There was news choppers, the whole nine. So the boyfriend that was living in there ends up getting locked up and was taken to jail on suspected murder charges. So we're like, well, shit. Yeah, we had a uh, realtor going out there on Monday. This was on like Friday, we learned. Monday, the realtor was supposed to go out there and get you know, photos and you know, talk to this guy. But the police were out there. We tell him, just go on Monday anyways. You know, it sounds like he's out of the house now. Should be easier for you to figure, you know, get it squared away. Well, realtor calls on Monday and he's like, uh, they got the place blocked off with crime scene tape and mm. they're not letting anybody in. And so we call the seller. And the seller, I guess she's, you know, she knows everybody. It's a small town. So she makes a few calls to, you know, one of her buddies who's in the police department and says, this is my house. We need to get in. So she gets us into the property. The uh, realtor goes and has, I think, like three or four investors with them, too. Oh, so the realtor goes with like three or four investors. And I guess over the weekend when they were doing their crime scene investigation, they had you know, cadaver dogs and, you know, dogs searching the property. They got a hit on a body. So they found a, a body on the property. This is like a nine acre property, but they found a body like over by like the, you know, in the, in the wood line somewhere. And so buyers are there. They're ready to do their inspection and they've got excavating equipment over there, uh, digging, digging stuff up. So while the buyers were walking around the property, the police and all the dogs, the canine units, squad cars, everything are there doing a full-blown investigation. And they end up finding, I guess, the body of the person that he killed on the property while they were walking the house. Now, 
Yeah. So everybody was all freaked out. And I thought, you know what? This is done. I'm not going to be able to sell it. You know, the realtor, she was like, I don't know. We didn't get any offers on that first day. It was kind of at a standstill. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short. Yeah. How do you, that's crazy. Like, how do you even, how do you sell a property knowing that somebody was murdered on it? Do you have to put that in your seller's disclosure statement? You know, like, does that have to be disclosed Every yeah, seller does. after that has to put that in the disclosure statement? Or? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was disclosed by us. I mean, they, they saw it, you know, so there was no hiding it. So like, um, did, did you fill out a seller's disclosure statement where you actually wrote that down? Murdered, dead body found on the property or something? Or? No, I didn't see any disclosure or anything. So I didn't have to do, I didn't fill out any forms. I, I think the seller had to fill out a seller's disclosure. But this is an assignment deal. So, which is another cool reason why to have realtors involved with this, right? Because the mm-hmm. realtor then is the one concerned about the prop, the proper paperwork, the proper disclosures, and all that. I mean, not that you shouldn't be dis- not that you shouldn't be concerned about it either yourself. But when you're working with a good realtor, a realtor's job is to make sure you have all your bases covered like that, right? Correct. When it yeah. comes to disclosures and things like that. Okay. Exactly. So a couple of days later, we get a call from one of the buyers. We wanted to sell it. We we're going to sell it at like 175 to a cash buyer. And they came in and we we're asking 175. And then they ended up, they gave us an offer at 168. Wow. So, and, and these yeah. buyers knew what had just happened. They were there. They were, they were on the property. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, lesson to be learned on this one is no matter how bad the situation is, numbers don't lie, right? Mm. You know, it's... Writing this down, no matter how bad the situation. Yeah, numbers don't lie. If you've got a good enough deal, it doesn't matter how hairy it is. Yeah, things can be, things can be taken care of. So your buyers, I mean, this was such a good deal. And did you do this as a double close or as an assignment? We double closed. Did the buyers know? I know people are going to be wondering this. Like, did the buyers know how much money you made on the deal? No, because I believe when we did the double close, they never saw our A to B contract. Okay. So when you're doing these double closings, are you using a title company in Texas to help you on your side of it? We have a national title company. They cover like, I think, 38 of the 50 states. And Louisiana is one of them. So we just use our national title company. Nice. Yeah. Does the local seller, the local buyers, do they still have to go to a local title company to sign the documents or to escrow the money? Or does your title company just handle that with FedEx or digital signatures and stuff like that? So our title company is partnered with Fidelity. Okay. And so any Fidelity backed title company, they'll send the paperwork there and the seller or buyer can sit down with an escrow agent. It could be a completely different third-party title company and they'll still help them with the paperwork if needed or they'll send a mobile notary to complete the paperwork whatever you know the buyer or seller feel more comfortable with oh, they just take care of that that's so cool all right so i love that though when the i'm looking at my notes here if you have a good enough deal you will find buyers if no matter how bad the situation the numbers don't lie exactly it doesn't matter if you know the property's got you know some horrible thing that happened on it. It's got liens. You know, it's got a dirty title. You know, don't don't freak out. If you and I get this property. question, I'm sorry, Nick. I was going to say, um, I get this question all the time. Well, there's a tenant in the property. How can I make an offer to buy it? They want to wholesale it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, I, I my constant answer is, it doesn't matter if the numbers are good enough. 
right? It doesn't matter if there's a tenant in it. It doesn't matter if the tenant is late on their rent and they have to be evicted. You know, you don't have to get the tenant out of the house before you buy it, before you get it under contract. If it's a good enough deal, you will find a buyer that will take it warts and all. They'll take it with that bad tenant. They'll probably offer the tenant some kind of cash for keys program, or they'll go through the hassle and the expense of doing the eviction themselves through the courts or whatever. But if it's a good enough deal, it doesn't matter. Would you agree with that? I agree 100%. It's just real estate. Money can pretty much fix anything, you know, when it comes to our business. So now let me ask yeah. you something. If you would have known that this, that there was a, a dead person on the property before you made your offer, mm-hmm. or that this was going to happen, would you have still made the offer? Absolutely. You know, that's, that's our business is to help people out of distress situations. Right. So it doesn't matter what it is, death, divorce, you know, relocation. You know, our job is to buy these properties and, and sell them and solve the seller's you know, problem. So, which yeah, is another thing I love about wholesaling too, right? You're not buying this property. And what would you have done, Nick, if you couldn't find a buyer for it? Yeah, I would have just been candid with the seller and let them know, you know, we're not in the business of like tying people up or anything like that. I would have just let the seller know, here's, you know, what our, you know, realtors and partners and investors are telling us with the feedback. It happens all the time. We'll get, you know, uh, feedback that wasn't, that we weren't aware of, you know, new information comes to light and we have to go back to the seller and let them know, hey, you know, Mr. Seller, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, this, this, and this, we're unable to pay this amount. This is what we can do. You do that within the inspection contingency period? Um, Correct. Okay, yeah. And how long of a kind of an inspection or contingency do you give yourself? Usually 14 days. So that gives us enough time to get our partners, our buyers, realtors out there, get the feedback that we need, make sure that we collect, get all the paperwork done, get our earnest money deposited into title. Uh, It allows, allows for all that. Well, this is really important lessons learned for any type of deal. But number one, as soon as you get that property under contract, you've got to be hitting the ground running, right? You can't just wait a little bit and take your time to get it, get to get a realtor there to get somebody to look at it or get your contractors. You have to hit the ground running hard, get your buyers there as soon as possible, right? To look at mm-hmm. it and then tell you what's wrong. And Agreed. Then- I mean, why do people work with this? It's for, for speed and liquidity, mm-hmm. right? They want liquidity quickly. They're, you know, house rich, cash poor. But they want, that's the service you offer. So you have to honor your promise to them and and work as quickly as possible to make sure you get to the end result. Uh, Damon says here, uh, people are dying to get into this property. (laughs) Okay, that's not funny, Damon. (laughs) That is pretty funny. I like that one, Damon. That's, that's a good one. Yeah. All right, all right. Somebody else here says numbers don't lie 100%. That gets good. Uh, Hakeem says, great story. Shane says here, great info and interview. Joe, Nick, give me a shout out. Just had lunch with one of your friends, Shane. Shane, shout out, man. Hope you're crushing it. Let me know if you need anything. Right on. Okay, so those of you that don't know, we are recording this and but we're also publishing it live on YouTube and Facebook. So if you're watching us right now on YouTube or Facebook, say hello, give us a thumbs up, like this video right now, and then leave a comment. If you have a question for Nick, uh, we'll bring it to him and we'll talk about this deal some more. Just want to ask you a few more questions about this because you know you're you're doing these deals hundreds, you know, thousands of miles away. You're not going to go look at the property, so you're relying pretty heavily on what you're finding online, you know, online research and stuff, active property listings for comps and sold comps as well. Some people are afraid of doing these deals virtually because they're afraid of making a bad offer or getting stuck with a bad deal. Kind of related to what we've already been talking about. Like, how did you overcome that, that fear when you were getting started? Uh, I mean, we screw it up, right? 
we screwed it up a lot in the beginning. You can't, as an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid to mess up and make mistakes. You're going to mess up and make mistakes. It's going to happen. I don't care how good you are in any business, you're going to make mistakes. And yeah, when we first started doing this, we were only able to close like nationwide. We were only able to close like one in five of the properties that we contract because we weren't making correct offers. We were underestimating repairs. We had no idea what the market, like what the investors actually wanted to pay for those properties. Because what's a great deal in St. Louis might not be a great deal in Austin or vice versa, right? So you have to, you've got to know uh, something about that market. We get new deals in different markets all day, but you've got to be able to know how to do your market research and understand you know, what's what's going on there. And like I said, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but continue to fail forward. You'll get better at it and better at it. And you know now it's the opposite. We close about four out of every five. Usually if a deal doesn't go through, it's some sort of buyer, seller, or title issue. It's not us making you know, mistakes on offers. And that's another good point too, because it's, it's sometimes it doesn't matter what we think the property's worth at all. What matters is what your end buyers think it's worth. Correct. And, and sometimes you just don't know, you get it at the lowest price that you can put it out on the street and then you'll find out from your buyers, whether it's a good deal or not. And that's mm-hmm. how you learn through this. Right. And then you can always go back to the seller and renegotiate if you have to. Yeah. I mean, you got to be forgiven about on yourself, but that's the only way you're going to learn is by doing it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't sit there and read and analyze every market in the country. It would take you years to do it. It took me years of actually doing it to get, to get it, to get to where we are now. So yeah, I would, advise you if you're going to go virtual just start you've got this far you're going to figure it out yeah this is i'm I'm excited about this because guys it's easier to find these leads in these virtual markets than you might think it's it's easier and cheaper doing ppc facebook ads nationwide than you might think i mean you hear horror stories of google pay-per-click leads costing a hundred dollars two hundred dollars per lead it's a lot cheaper than that when you can go broad when you can go nationwide um cool all right so is there anything you would have done differently in this deal nick you know what? It was when you put out the uh, invite to go for a good deal has gone bad. I just thought this was a, a fun one to share because I wanted to iterate the point that, you know, uh, having your, you know, making sure you've got enough meat on the bone will cover up a lot of mistakes. Ah, that's you know, yep. this, this particular deal, when we walked into it, I think we did everything to the best of our ability. I wouldn't have changed anything that we done on we did on our side. It was a you know, unfortunate circumstance that ended up having a good outcome to it, even though it got pretty dicey in mm-hmm. the middle of it. So now, I mean, I'm proud of, I'm actually proud that we were able to help this lady and buyer got a good deal. Everybody ended up winning except for the guy that you know, killed the guy on his property and is now spending you know, his life in, in the pen in Louisiana. So, you know, it is, it is tragic too. Actually, um, we just did a lease option deal with a guy who was um, heading to jail and he didn't have any options. He was not a bad guy. I don't, I can't talk about what he did, but he made a really, really stupid, stupid mistake. Right. But he was in a situation where he couldn't sell his house. He didn't have enough time to sell the house. He didn't want to, he couldn't be a landlord from prison. Um, He couldn't afford to pay the agent's commissions. He couldn't afford to pay property management commissions. His wife had to, with their daughter, had to leave the house to go to her families in another state. And so 
we didn't have enough equity for us to buy his house with cash either. So we gave him a lease option, a sandwich lease option offer, which means we're taking it on as an investment property, pretty much just taking over his mortgage. It wasn't his, the, the, best, the best option for him would have been to sell his house, but we were able to offer him this, the next best alternative maybe, or the least worst alternative where we would lease option his house from him and turn it around and, and buy it eventually through a lease option. But this was an example of a deal. The seller had to go to jail. Um, this might be, this is bad, but it, I mean, this could be like another, what do they call it? Like a lead, like a list that you could, of sellers you could target if you could find a way to uh, crime scenes, um, addresses of crime scenes. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about that anymore because some people are already super offended. <laughs> I, but, I mean, no, I think what you're getting is, is yeah, we're out here every day solving real world problems. Mm-hmm. This is the real world and we're, we're out here, you know, you're making, making an impact. And that's why we, we make the money we make as real estate investors because we're solving some pretty uh, complicated life issues for people. All right. One more question, Nick. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody, to some beginners listening to this podcast and listening to what we're talking about? What kind of advice would you give to people to encourage them? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty cliche advice, but do not give up, right? 99.9% of the people that get into this business will fail just because they don't have the persistence and tenacity to go through the pain of starting a business. The biggest thing that I see for failure is most people grossly underestimate the amount of sacrifice that it takes to be successful. And what I mean by that is you see these YouTube videos and everything, and you're like, hey, I just got to do these couple of things and then I'm going to make some money and yeah, everything's going to be good. It's not like that. You're going to have to go through a lot of failure, rejection, and just know that going in. You're going to uh, hit a lot of speed bumps along the way. And if you can stomach it, you got some heart uh, and you don't give up, you'll end up breaking through and, and having a successful career for yourself. Oh, that's great. That's really good, Nick. <laughs> really good. This has been a better podcast than I expected it would be. I was a little nervous talking about dead people on properties. <laughs> But, uh, Here we go. There's a silver lining and a lesson, a lesson in everything. So hopefully you guys really, really good ways from it and and enjoyed it. Nick, is there any way? Do you have a way people can get a hold of you? Uh, you know, some people listening to this might be looking for a place to park their money and invest with you on some deals. Do you are are you raising any private money or do you have any? thing that you want to offer to people or give away? Yeah. So we're always doing flips and we don't do large remodels. As I was telling you earlier in the podcast, we're doing very light cosmetic, you know, uh, take the property down have it back on the market within you know, a week or two and in return. So if you're looking for an easy place to park your money, that's going to be safe, collateralized by real estate, you know, reach out to me. You can follow me on Instagram at Nick Perry, REI. And then if you, if you need any you know, help with anything, I do offer one-on-one coaching. So there's no like monthly commitment or anything. It's really on an as-needed basis. I know a lot of entrepreneurs need, you know, just a third party to kind of give them you know, validation or help them on, you know, whatever that next big challenge in the business is. So reach out to me if you if you want to set something up. Happy to help. All right. Did I get this right? P-E-R-R-Y-R-E-I at Nick Perry R-E-I on Instagram. That's where all the cool kids go. I'm still struggling with with Instagram. I just got on not too long ago. You so did? Um, yeah, maybe like a year ago and I'm not too active on there. I try to I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Good. I don't I don't feel that old then yet. Nick, thank you so much, man. I appreciate uh, you taking the time. I know you're you're super busy. Appreciate you taking the time to be here and uh, Yeah, thanks man. I appreciate you having me on. I really enjoyed it. So, you know, let me know if you guys need anything.
All right, guys, reach out to Nick at Nick Perry REI on Instagram. Send him a DM, follow him and uh, show him some love and appreciate it, guys. Don't forget, if you want the mind map and the notes, I've just been taking a bunch of notes as Nick's been talking. My assistant's going to come back in and make a bunch of notes as well. Text the word bad to 313131 or go to joemccall.com slash bad. We'll have the show notes and the transcripts and everything like that in that mind map as well. So we'll see you guys later. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks, man. See you. Bye-bye.